We'll read a portion of Luke 15, 20. Luke chapter 15. We find these words in that 20th verse. When he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. This is part of the account of a father who had two sons. It's known as the parable of the prodigal son. And two weeks ago, we heard a bit about the younger son. Last week, we heard a bit about the older son. Today, we'll hear a little bit about the father. The younger son represents the sinners and publicans of the first verse where it says, Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners to hear him, to hear Jesus. And the older son is representative of the self-righteous scribes and Pharisees of the second verse where it says the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. The scribes and Pharisees held the publicans and sinners in contempt, much the same way as the older son held the younger son in contempt. Prodigal means wasteful or reckless. Both of the two sons in the parable were guilty of wasting opportunity that they had. But today, as I say, is mostly about the father who represents our father, which is in heaven. The sons, neither son, could conceive the kind of love that would cause their father in the parable to not only seek them, but to go out and settle the estrangement as much as could be settled. And that's <clears throat> perhaps the parable, parable's point, is uh, our Father in heaven will go to great lengths to salvage the lost. And earlier in the same chapter, we could ask the question, why does one, uh, one shepherd, why does a shepherd who has 99 sheep go out and search for the one, leaving the 99? Because he sees value in the one. He doesn't feel sorry for the one. He sees that that one will eventually provide wool or food or little lambs if it's a you. That's why he goes out to search for it. Why does the one who has nine coins search for the one that is lost? Same reason. It's worth something. Lost souls are highly valued and worth seeking and worthy of celebrating when they are found. This morning, we have three little grandsons uh, staying with us for the last week. And we got them ready for church and discovered that they like, they like to wear suits and, and ties, especially the youngest. Well, we got the older two settled tied their tie and and they're ready to go couldn't find the tie of the youngest nor his suit coat 
So we searched, and, and uh, it was not to be found. We thought, well, perhaps his parents took them home uh, when, they, when they left. But Debbie called me when I was at church to report to me. Now, she didn't call me to tell me, it's sure good that we found the two suits, and the boys are looking sharp, as they do. She called me to say she had found the one that was lost. That is reason for celebrating. When we, why wouldn't we celebrate for the for the other two? But the youngest one, it's most important to him. But he, uh, we found it. Anyway, it's possible for a son to be estranged from his father. <clears throat> the younger chose to leave home and found himself estranged. The older stayed at home and found himself estranged from his father. The younger spent all. The older, we find, had all. Both were lost and lonely, one away from home, the other at home. And it's possible for either scenario to take place today in the world we live in. Each was in bondage, the younger to his shame and the older to his contempt for his brother. The younger was embarrassed, wishing he could return home, but not quite knowing how to do it. The older was angry and refused even to approach his father. It took his father approaching him. But in either case, in both cases, the father's love was grossly underestimated. And we see that happen. The younger wanted to be reconciled. The older didn't show any interest in being reconciled. The younger, for the younger, the father watched and waited, hoping and in real life would be praying for the younger's return. And of course, when he did return, he found his father waiting with open arms to receive him. But with the older, he, he would not approach his father. It was his father who went out to him to reason with him and, and to help him. Well, fathers have a responsibility to their children Fathers have a responsibility to the mother of their children. And children have a responsibility to their father. We'll look at those three aspects of responsibility. But first, it's worth noting that every man is not a father. And also that one in three American kids grow up in a home where their biological father is not present. And that is actually incentivized by our culture today. But the consequences, adverse consequences, are staggering. And perhaps the root cause of what we see transpiring transpiring in, in our country today. But if you happen to be one who grows up in a home without your biological father, remember that God is, we read in the 10th Psalm, 
the helper of the fatherless. And in Psalm 68, a father to the fatherless. But even if the biological father is in the home, every father does not set a stellar example. But that does not confine you to a life of defeat. On the contrary, you can overcome that, learn from it, and thrive in life. My dad's an example. His mother died when he was very young, perhaps six years old. His father abandoned him. So he grew up largely on his own, own in the, uh, that Roseburg uh, farm that you hear me refer to once in a great while. His younger brother was with him, Uncle Lawrence, my cousin Robin's uh, dad, who still uh, is alive. And they had older, older siblings as well that, that came and went. But Dad proved that you can, even as a sinner, overcome that adversity and live a stable, consistent, responsible life. And he did so up until age 48 and a half when he was saved, and he continued to do so in a more vigorous manner after that. So we have concerns. Let's start with the children because that's, that's the most fun. Children have a responsibility to their father. The Bible says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for, for this is right. It doesn't say, Obey your parents, your saved parents in the Lord. It, it, it's saved or unsaved. You obey, uh, obey your parents unless it comes in conflict with God's word. In, in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and thy mother, mother, which is the first commandment, with promise. And what's the promise? That it may be well with thee, that thou mayest live long on the earth. You show me a, a child where it is not going well with them, or a young person, and I, I would want to ask, are you honoring your father and your mother? Because the promise is it will be well with thee if you honor your father and mother. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Paul writes elsewhere in Colossians 3.21. I just read six, Ephesians 6.1 6, through 3. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. And the reason I say it's the most fun, because when, when our two were young, in grade school, <clears throat> they came to me, it was almost like they were going to unionize and wanted an allowance. They'd found out their friends at school received an allowance. So these are two kids in, in grade school. And I, I asked them why. And they replied because they helped around the house. I don't remember how entirely they replied. They did help do the dishes. They took turns, made their beds, cleaned their rooms, and did all these things that they were immediately told they were expected to do already, allowance or not. So the conclusion of that matter uh, was, well, I'm not going to give you an allowance because you have earned it. You live here. You know, bear your load. Uh, assume your responsibility. But I'm going to give you an allowance because I'm an all-around good guy. 
So we did. We gave them uh, an allowance, which they probably would say was meager, and I, I hope it was, but uh, they did receive an allowance, but I would do it different now. For the grade schoolers and junior high students, if, if you had the same thing to do again, I would say, all right, you're right. I think you deserve an allowance. How much do you think it ought to be? But then I have a better idea. I think you deserve an allowance of $1,000 a month. And as you go into high school, you, you, you deserve more. But here's the deal. You're going to start paying rent. <laughs> and the rent is, I'll give you a good deal, since you're a relative, that will be $900 a month. And furthermore, we're going to charge you for each meal. And there's different ways to charge for meals. Sometimes there's a flat fee. Sometimes it varies according to the meal. And sometimes <clears throat> I've seen where they weigh the product and you pay by the ounce. <clears throat> well, that's a little cumbersome. So here's what we'll do. We're going to, you're in your growing years. So we're going to weigh you at the beginning of the year and weigh you at the end of the year and charge you for the food accordingly. <clears throat> then we're going to charge you for utilities because every time you leave your room, you leave the lights on and you're having to go from room to room and being reminded to turn the lights off. So utilities. And when you need to be run here and there, we're not going to be outrageous, outrageous and charge you what it would cost to hire a taxi, but we're going to give you the Uber rate and we'll Uber you to where you need to go. I think it's a good deal for the parents. The point uh, being that you're getting a good deal to live at your home and you are not owed, you owe. But I'll let you negotiate the allowance situation with your own parents and we'll see what they do. With respect to your privacy being invaded, no. There's no privacy. I want to know where you are going on your computer, your social media content. I, I want to know everything about I'm responsible. Parents or fathers have responsibility for their child. And I would be abdicating my responsibility if I did not keep track of you. And it's, it's for your own benefit. So next time you feel like you're being intruded upon, knowing that's for your own benefit, your immediate response to your father or to your mother should be, oh, thank you. I appreciate you protecting me. I appreciate you taking care of me. I appreciate you providing for my food and my clothes and all that uh, good stuff. And we thank God for such caring mothers and fathers. I realize they can be a nuisance at times, but... So can you, perhaps. Perhaps. But fathers have a responsibility to their children. Because fathers stand in God's stead, especially when the children are younger, but actually even through life. A child doesn't know about God when born, but learns about the Heavenly Father, to a measure, 
through the earthly father. And that is important to understand. We read in Ephesians 6, 4, You fathers provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and in the admonition of the Lord. Colossians 3.21 is similar. Provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. So we have, we do, we have responsibility. <clears throat> to admonish is to call to attention. God provides a clear understanding of the difference between right and wrong. That's the father's responsibility in the home. And if there is a father lacking, then certainly it falls upon the mother. But we need to give a clear understanding of right and wrong and not something ambiguous where it's, it's hard to, for a child to discern that. There, there's some clarity in understanding right and wrong and allowing the child then to grow up and have the capacity to make good decisions, good choices. And that includes the Father, just as our Heavenly Father does, conveying to the child there are consequences for good choices, there are consequences for poor choices. That's our responsibility. Admonish, call to attention, nurture, tutor, train, instruct, uh, correct. God's correction of us is born of his love for us. He has concern for our uh, character development. That is what motivates God's uh, correction. So we don't find it grievous, but rather joyous that we are counted as a child of God. And as as such, we can expect uh, corrective measures to be employed when we uh, go out of the way a bit. And we, we welcome that because we want to please our Father which is in heaven. If you're a gardener, you do the same thing. That's the, the sense here of nurturing is to take care of a plant, water it, prune it, and um, in the end, if you do it right, it will bear fruit. Nobody barks at their plant and commands it, grow, give me fruit, do right, flourish. The poor plant, plant will wilt. Perhaps, and if it doesn't, certainly a child will. So that's the sense we have when we see provoke not your children to wrath. Our correction and our guidance ought to be born of love and ought never to be born of, of frustration. We correct as God in a calculated manner. We employ restraint and wisdom and certainly guidance. And if you have a father like that, you can certainly thank God for that. If your father falls a bit short, well, don't be too hard on him. He's learning as he goes, just as you are learning as you go. Father set the standard for the home. If dad is steady, consistent, predictable, God learns that, or the child learns rather, that God is also steady, consistent, and predictable. If, if dad or the father is rash, impetuous, overbearing, harsh, 
the child will grow up believing that God is just that as well, that he's a judge uh, with a sword drawn, ready to do damage if you do anything wrong. No, your Father in heaven loves you. Uh, Your Father in heaven, uh, if you have gone astray, will welcome you back with open arms. And if you're not heading his way, he will head your way to reason with you and to try to to bring you back. You have a kind and gracious heavenly Father. We, We heard that in the... In the scripture reading, it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It's been a while, but I know I've said before in a sermon how dad, he grew up having nothing. And as I was married, had children, a home, began to do landscaping one year. I don't even recall if there was an occasion for it, but he bought me a wheelbarrow. I'd used dad's wheelbarrow. That wheelbarrow was probably his dad's wheelbarrow. It had a metal uh, tire, uh, that wheel rather, so no tubing, and it was hard to push that wheelbarrow when it had nothing in it. And if it had something in it, it was bent besides. It was just, uh, it wasn't good. Well, he bought me a, a wheelbarrow. I still have it, actually with uh, an inner tube, a tubed wheelbarrow. Uh, I mean, it's easy to push, whether you have a big load or, or a little load. He, he never had anything like that. Another time we were passing through town, and uh, I uh, did need tires on a little Datsun B210 uh, car. It was totally gutless, um, and... You know, everything isn't better after you get saved. I, when I was saved, I had a Mustang, 1969 Mustang Mach 1. But things change when you get married and have children. So that was gone, and now I had a, a gutless Datsun B210. Anyway, it needed tires, and uh, we, we were actually heading through town and uh, stopped at the parents for a night, uh, heading to a branch church. And uh, Dad said, hey, take, take my car. Leave your car here. So we did that. When we came back, my car had brand new tires on it. I see my brother Dale's here today, so I hope you gave him brand new tires along the way as well. But uh, anyway, he didn't, he didn't play favorites. If he didn't give Dale tires, he, he, he certainly gave him something. That's, it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. If you never get new tires, you can have the kingdom, and God will grant that to you. So if you're the authority of the home, fathers, do you respect authority? I told you before, my parents did. If I got in trouble anywhere, even if there was justification, there was no justification. I was wrong without them knowing the story. Uh, They respected authority and brought me up to, to do the same. We didn't call police officers by the names that in the 70s, I won't even repeat what they were called in the, in the 70s, um, but we called them police officers. Um, if you want your child to grow up honoring the Lord's Day, do you honor the Lord's Day? If you want them to attend church and have church uh, be a priority, do you attend church in a prioritized, prioritized manner? Uh, do you pay tithes? You show the honor God by uh, avoiding being called, as the Bible calls one who doesn't, a robber, a thief. Do you get prayed for when you're sick and afflicted? 
so the children grow up understanding, call for the elders of the church and be prayed for. The prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise them up. And if they've committed sins, they shall be forgiven them. So that's uh, the blessing of uh, setting the tone uh, for the home. And finally, do you honor the mother of your children? How do you treat your wife, in short? However you treat your wife and... uh, is how your children will grow up as a teen and treat his mother. If you treat her with respect and honor her, your teenage son in particular will respect and honor her as a teenager. If you demean her and criticize her, you can expect your teenage son to grow up and in those teenage years to disrespect her, to criticize her, and to demean her. So you set the tone. The greatest gift a father can give his children is to love their mother. I've heard it said a variety of this. Behind every successful father is a wife who loves him. Recently I heard behind every successful father is a mother who is exhausted. Thank God for our mothers who correct their husbands and and help their husbands along the way to show restraint toward their children. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Earlier, wives, submit yourself to your husband. But but Paul added that, love your wives as Christ loved the church, to guard against a husband who would demand submission. You can't just hang your hat on Ephesians 5.25. Or the, or the earlier, 522, maybe. Uh, well, I submit yourself to your husbands. Now you better read it, read it all, because to guard against that demanding, overbearing husband, Paul added, love your wife as Christ loved the church, gave himself for it. So your conduct to, toward your wife should be driven in the same spirit as what Jesus showed for the church which was to give himself for it. Our prayers are hindered if we do otherwise. First Peter 3, 9, we're heirs together in the grace of life, but if we don't properly care for our wife or show her the right honor, Peter says our prayers will be hindered. We can't expect to get a prayer through if we can't um, properly defer to to our wife. But more than anything else, we want our children, our youth, to grow up and not underestimate the love that their Heavenly Father has toward them. God loves you. God will save you. If you're already saved, God will keep you. God will give you the kingdom. So as we drop to our knees in prayer today, let's thank our Heavenly Father for His care for us. We're imperfect in this world, whether we be a father or a mother or a child. God's grace is extended our way. If we only look His way, we can depend upon Him to guide us from day to day. God bless you all.